Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Severance, season one, episode four, The You You Are. It's the episode I will be spoiling. I will be going in depth on discussing, so if you don't want to be spoiled, I'd recommend skipping this episode. But if you don't mind, if you're a fan of the show, welcome let's get into it shall we as we left off in seeds in episode three heli was in the break room uh starting to read her compunction statement and we pick right up as heli is still in the break room still reading and uh milchik is not buying it he does not believe that she believes what she is saying she doesn't believe that she is sorry uh, but the day is done. Nonetheless, her Audi still requires to have her life outside. So even though Heli is not finished, Milchik takes her to the elevator, says goodbye. Elevator closes, opens back up. Heli's wearing something new. You know, as last we saw, she had the bandage. She had been cut by the window. So she's wearing a long sleeve shirt. And uh, Milchik is waiting in the same position just absolute hell absolute hell you're being punished at a war at a job where you never leave right you you get this feeling almost that like okay we're done for the day right makes you feel like you have a gap in time where you're not going to be punished but not for heli it's just doors close doors open you're still at work and uh just wearing different clothes so Milchik takes her back to the break room to start beginning of the day. She read her statement 259 times the day before, and it wasn't enough. She still wasn't believable. Her apology was not believable. Uh, and she starts hearing a voice, kind of like a mumbling sound. Uh, and she she asks what it is, and he doesn't know, and it's it's unclear. Just another one of these mysteries. If this is uh, uh, just her hallucinating the this voice that's like sounds like it's on the other side of the door, kind of mumbling, or if it's an intentional like an intentional sound that they do specifically for her to help trigger her in some way, some psychological uh, type of, of use for that. Uh, either way, uh, she's hearing a voice. She starts crying. Cut to uh, Petey's phone ringing. Cut to now we're at Mark's house. Petey's phone is ringing. Uh, he goes to pick it up. He's got a, a ton of blocked numbers who have been people who have been trying to call uh, Petey's phone. Uh, so Mark decides to hide the phone in a, a box in, in his basement. Uh, cut to his innie is in the bathroom. Mark's innie in the bathroom looking at the map that he found behind one of the group photos. Uh, the map drawn by Petey uh, while he was in work at work. Uh, he leaves and Irving is concerned, as Irving always is. He's concerned because Heli is still in the break room. Uh, and he is, you know, just he's an overly concerned type of a guy. And he's concerned about Heli being in the break room. Uh, Bert shows up, the, the leader of the O&D department, optics and design, 
Uh, he had talked to Irving, and Irving had shown interest in the and excitement in this new handbook tote that was going to be released. So Bert decided to bring them uh, some handbook totes before their release. A little special treatment for the uh, microdata refinement crew uh, because of the little little blossoming love affair, it seems, between Bert and Ernie. I mean, Bert and Irving. I, it has to be. There has to be. That has to be a reference to Bert and Ernie. Bert and Irving. Has to be. Either way, it's a pleasant little coincidence. Uh, so Bert brings them the handbook, invites the whole crew uh, to come to the O&D department, and Bert will give them a tour. Obviously, Dylan's very skeptical about the thing. However, Irving, very excited. Uh, he's given directions uh, to the thing, which is we find out that r drawing maps is not a good thing. It's not something they should be doing in several. I mean, they don't uh, they're breaking the rules. Bert is breaking the rules, giving them this map to how to get to the O&D department. But Irving's excited, wastes no time, gets ready to go, heads on over. And as Irving leaves, Helly comes back just dead inside. And Mark and Dylan see her. Their concern clearly looks on their face of, of concern. Uh, we find out that Helly said her statement 1,072 times. So 259 times the day before. And almost double that this day until the machine finally believed that she was being honest. Uh, they're in the break room. Not the break room, but they're in like... Not not the torture break room, but they're in the little, like, little kitchen space. And Mark is making some coffee. Helly and, and Dylan are sitting at the table. And Helly's describing the voice that she was hearing on the other side of the door. While Dylan, the voice he hears, or the sound he hears when he's been in the break room, is a crying baby. So they're hearing different things, which could mean that that's just the audio hallucinations that they have being different people, or they could be specifically different sounds that Lumen is using to trigger them or to control them in a certain way to elicit certain emotions to help them, you know, brainwash them into believing this statement that they're saying. Either way, they're hearing different things. Uh, and Dylan has a trick for the machine. So let's, I have a clip of that because it's another great Dylan moment uh, of how, to tr how he tricks the machine. What about the voice behind the door? Crying baby, you mean? No, like the angry mumbly guy. Guys, really not supposed to talk about the break room. You know, the important thing is you apologize correctly. Now you're out. What you gotta do is trick the machine by thinking about something you're really sorry about. So, I like to imagine my Audi's love made with a mil for two, which is obviously badass, but I do pity the husbands. Which, I love Dylan. You know? Like, everything he says is so fun and so creative. 
that is just like like just makes the the actual hell that they are in at least somewhat entertaining because he's got like these fun like creative brain paths that his brain goes down and of course mark being mark being the the business first guy being the corporate uh cheerleader that he is uh you know telling him that well that's why we have our protocols uh and our procedures so you can avoid the break room right you gotta follow the rules which i wouldn't be surprised Considering Mark's knowledge of all of the different ways in which you can get busted trying to pass a message that he has either personally experienced the break room a lot of times, which would have damaged his brain in a way to where he would be that kind of a guy who would be on the side of the corporation to the level at which Mark has, despite the fact that Mark, you know, lost a friend. His friend was breaking the rules, had a map, right? They had questions, was trying to answer the questions, right? So it's like even, even inside Lumen, Mark is two different people. His innie is two different people. He is the person that had a friend who was, like, interested in uncovering the mysteries of what they're doing, and also he is the by-the-book kind of we must follow the rules in every way type of a dude cut to Irving is shows up to O and D Bert is giving him a tour. There's like drawers and cabinets where they store all the different art. They're bonding over, uh, the different paintings that, uh, they've seen. They're pontificating over the different imagery. Bert's telling him the logistics of their job, how, Art gets rotated and things end up here. And the paint, there's a painting that Irving uh, really loved that he didn't see anymore. And uh, Bert brings that painting out. And it's this painting of supposed to be of uh, of Keir Egan, the first, the founder, the kind of the lord of of Lumen, their kind of almighty uh, person, uh, be sick in bed. And, like, people are tending to him. And it's an image that, that Irving really liked and was now uh, just being stored in the O&D department. Uh, and while they're looking at the painting, they kind of touch hands and hold hands a bit, which makes Irving a little uncomfortable, makes Irving a little nervous. And he leaves. And on his way back to the MDR department, passing a conference room an empty conference room he sees in one of the chairs the book the book that Milchik was supposed to be reading to find clues uh the book that was written uh by mark's sister's husband uh whose name is blanking i'm blanking on his name at the moment his name is his name is his name is Rickon finds Rickon's book and he's freaked out meanwhile back at MDR in the department 
Mark is looking at the map again, this time at his desk. Heli comes up behind him, kind of surprises him, lets him know. He hides the map, obviously, doesn't want her to see it. Uh, she tells him that he, she's 4%. She's at 4% on her work, and Mark, being the corporate cheerleader that he is, uh, is trying to be super stoked uh, at, at that news. Uh, and then Heli finds the map. You know, Mark goes to do something else. Heli finds the map, and she starts calling him out. She starts seeing how bullshit he is, how he's like this corporate stooge, this corporate cheerleader about buy the books, rah, rah, rah. Meanwhile, his best friend has this map that's breaking the rules and that he cares more about licking the boots of Lumen than he does about what happened to his friend, about trying to find out what his friend was trying to uncover. And Mark, in an attempt to, you know, prove that he is not being swayed by this map, which Dylan, you know, mentions how, you know, this is contraband. You're not supposed to have this thing. Mark decides to shred the map to prove to her that he doesn't care. Which is a bummer. It's a bummer. Right? That just... I think that shows more how damaged Mark is, even within Lumen, even within the severed program, that part of himself, the any part of himself, is still bifurcated, where part of himself has been conditioned to follow everything to the letter, while the real true part of himself is still attached to reality and his friend. And it's kind of a sad moment when he shreds the letter, but he does it. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Now you can wear the many faces original art by Ray Taylor, select pieces from the ongoing series of abstract ink paintings, all products made with high quality materials made right here in the USA. Go to inspireddisorder.com slash TMF merch to browse the entire collection and save yourself an extra 10% when you check out by using coupon code RTSTMF. So once again, go to inspireddisorder.com slash TMF merch and save 10% when you use coupon code RTSTMF. And now back to our show. And she goes on about like, you, you don't care about your friend. You care more about this job. This bullshit job where we don't know what we do. And Mark's like, this isn't bullshit. It's mysterious, but it's not bullshit. Clearly still trying to tow, to tow that same line. He shreds the map. Uh, Irvin comes back, grabs Mark and Dylan because he wants to show him the book. Takes him, takes him to the book. Doesn't bring the book to them. He takes them to the book. Mark picks it up, looks at it, and it's signed to Mark which instantly makes him nervous, starts looking around, looking for cameras, looking to see if this is a plant, a loyalty test. Possibly Mark says he's going to uh, Mark says he's going to turn it into Milchick. Dylan thinks maybe it's another message from Petey, right? First it was the map, now there's this book. You know, and Dylan's got that creative brain. Irving obviously by the book scared concerned nervous but mark says he's going to turn it into milchick cut to 
Helly is back in the office alone, looking at one of the copying machines. She goes over, opens it up, and underneath is a paper cutter. And she grabs the paper cutter, busts into Cobell's office, demanding that she get a camera to record a message for her Audi to tell her that she wants to resign or else she's going to cut off her four fingers. And Cobell's playing it, you know, pretty calm. Milchick's there, concerned. And as a group, she gets the camera, she records her her message to her Audi. Like the whole department's there, Mark, Dylan, Irving, Milchick, Cobell, all watching Heli record this message to her Audi. As a group, they walk her to the elevator with the disc in her hand. Doors closed. Sound effect, sound effect. Doors open, holding a different disc. Everybody's still standing in the same spot, which is kind of weird because time has passed in this situation. Like, similarly to when Milchik gets... Gave her, you know, they were done for the day with her punishment. Milchik was still standing in the same spot the next morning. Uh, the entire group of people still standing in their same spot when she comes back with the response from herself. But before she goes in the elevator, actually, thinking that she, this is going to work. Right? She's got the, she recorded this thing. She f- thinks this is the time. Her Audi's going to agree with her, and she's not going to see these people again. She tells Mark to go to hell, but of course, you're already in hell. She tells Milchik that she was never sorry, right? And then goes in the elevator, ba-ba-ba-ba, doors closed, doors open. She's right back there with a disc. As a group, they sit down. Well, she sits down to watch the video. The entire department is there. Mark, Dylan, Irving, Milchik, Cobell. Watching this response video, play the clip. Hallie, I watched your video asking that I resign. I also received and responded to your previous request. I assume that would resolve the issue, but now Miss Cobell says you threatened to cut off your fingers. I understand that you're unhappy with the life that you've been given. But you know what? Eventually we all have to accept reality. So, here it is. I am a person. You are not. I make the decisions. You do not. And if you ever anything to my fingers know that I will keep you alive long enough to horribly regret that your resignation request is denied turn it off probably the most brutal scene to see yourself speaking to you in that way to demean you and dehumanize you in that way is 
so tragic. You want to talk about hell. This is the reality that they are all living in. And the crazy part, they're all seeing this message. They're all seeing how heartless her Audi is. Which I don't know. We don't know if this is standard operating procedure. We don't know if this has happened before where they get to see video responses. I doubt it. But maybe. Who knows? Because there's clearly been other people who have tried to resign many times and failed. Been denied. Trying to pass messages many times. It has, I, like if I had money to put on who has been in these shoes, I would... I would say Mark has, because Mark's any seems like he's been damaged to that point where he is now on the side of them, whatever that, that uh, Stockholm Syndrome, right? But a brutal response from her Audi. Cut to Mark's at home, obviously done for the day, at home, on the phone with his sister, Devin. He's pregnant. He's looking at birthing centers. Talking crap about these birthing centers. How they look more like run-down ski resorts than birthing centers. Which they could be. You never know. Uh, but while he's looking on the phone, hangs up with his sister. He gets a notification on his phone. News on his phone. That uh, Petey has died. And there's a funeral. Undisclosed reasons of death. But Petey's dead. He's gone. And there's a funeral. While he's seeing this, he can hear the phone in the distance. Petey's phone down in the basement. Ringing still. Vibrating as it rings. Right? That telltale heart type of a thing. Cut back to inside Lumen. Grainer shows up to Cobell's office talking about Petey, how it's not her fault. Obviously, they know that he's dead. Uh, at, he's asking if the, she's heard anything from the board, you know, kind of letting her know that he doesn't believe it's her fault. Uh, it's still no word for the board. But she, her big concern is the chip. Because of the integration, which the board still does not recognize as being a reality. She is not as delusional as they are. She knows that there's something up, and she knows that there's this chip still that needs to get got. And after, after Grainer leaves, like Cobell knows she's got to go do this thing, she's got to get this chip. And she says to herself what I believe to be the, uh, what are they called, the core values of Lumen, right? Where we heard in the previous episode, a few episodes ago, uh, the nine core Lumen principles, where Irving said he, his favorite was cheer. I assumed that gratitude was one of these nine core principles, but I it is not because I believe what she says are the nine core principles uh, of Lumen and they are vision, verve, wit, cheer, 
humility, benevolence, nimbleness, probity, and wiles. And as she says that, she picks up this picture that's on her desk, which I believe to be Keir Egan while she's saying this. It's kind of like this mantra before she has to go do this thing, which is interesting. Everything Cobell does inside of At Work is very puzzling, very like cryptic in a way. Whereas outside of work, she is she's playing this character of somebody who owns a like an an all natural like wellness type of a shop. So she says the core nine principles. Cut to the funeral. Mark's at the funeral. Shows up. Runs into, uh, Selvig. A.K.A. Cobell. Obviously, we know why she's there. She's playing her character as the hippie herbalist lady. You know, gives Mark this excuse that Petey used to go to her shop all the time. Like, I hope at some point Mark goes to her shop, takes her up on this thing of this shop, which maybe there is a shop and it's just always closed. You know? But... She definitely uses this shop as a way to flesh out her character outside of Lumen. But they meet at the the thing. She's stoked because, like, oh, we can be, you know, we're a date now. Which is, like, the way she acts with Mark outside of work as Selveg is so completely different than how she treats Mark. Like, she has such contempt for Mark inside Lumen. But then outside, it's like she she's like this. She's like an aunt. She like loves Mark and and is very seems to be very caring of Mark. Either way, uh, Selve goes to where the the coffin is, the viewing of the the body or whatever, and the daughter is there. June, who we heard about in the previous episode. Selve's like, do you know him? He's like, oh yeah, he's my dad whatever very like awkward kind of interaction uh meanwhile mark goes to the bar tries to order a whiskey on rocks but all they have is wine we get some red wine and and uh mark meets Petey's ex-wife who you know marks tells she's like who are you he's like oh we work together it's like oh did you really even know? so you don't really even know him then because you were both and obviously, for Mark, he's got to play this like, oh, yeah, I didn't know. I mean, he didn't know PD inside work, but he did get to meet PD outside of work. So, like, the fact that he's there anyway, his excuse f- that he gave Selveg is like, oh, I saw in the article that was talking about this that he worked at Lumen and he thought maybe they knew each other inside. Which for Selveg is like, okay probably very weird that mark is there because they were best friends at work and outside of work they're not supposed to know each other at all and of course that's what Petey's ex-wife brings up it's also what june brings up when mark goes to sit down the thing's about to start and he's sitting there and june's right there he's like oh you're june and then she she has this great line of like why when are you guys gonna stop thinking that turning your brain off is the right way to deal with stuff and of course mark doesn't have a, 
a good answer. He doesn't know. You know, Mark has, Mark's got his own trauma that he tried to run away from. Because it's easier to run away from a problem than to deal with it. That's why, June, it's easier to just... This, the reason why people do drugs, it's like a way for them to escape reality, to not deal with reality. But instead of drugs, you, you turn your brain off in the capitalist way. But still, they both giving Mark the same type of energy. Join Inspired Disorder Plus today. Head on over to inspireddisorder.com slash plus to join. Membership includes members-only discounts and deals. You get access to the Ray Taylor Show completely ad-free, as well as bonus episodes. You get access to the complete live painting archive. You also get access to every single podcast ever produced by Inspired Disorder, hosted by Ray Taylor. You get access to Ray Taylor's personal blog, as well as the opportunity to ask me any questions. So if you want to start a podcast, you're into art, ask me anything. And so many more things are being added every day to Inspire Disorder Plus. So sign up today, become a member, head on over to inspiredisorder.com slash plus and become an Inspire Disorder Plus member today. So Mark doesn't know how to answer that. And they play, there's a song where video is playing of Petey playing guitar with June playing Enter the Sandman by Metallica, which as a song relates in a lot of ways to this show, to the idea of severance, hush little baby, don't say a word. You know, the the kind of even the to the, to the point of the idea of like the only time they're outside of Severn is like their time to rest and relax and sleep and, you know, sleep obviously being a, a part of the, uh, enter the Sandman. But while that video is playing, Selvig takes the opportunity to go to the body with a drill and out of everything in the show that feels believable I buy it to an extent, you know, like, okay, I'm with you. Selveg's ability to drill into Petey's head, which we, we saw where the chip goes when Heli got it. It goes deep in the center of the brain and then has these, like, fins that come out. But Selveg, pretty effortlessly, while Enter the Sandman is playing in the other room, drills into Petey's head and then uses little little tweezers to get out this chip so far the biggest stretch of believability for me but i get it what are they gonna do i mean okay just gotta get this chip out maybe if they had just written it different where the chip is more easily accessible but whatever okay she's she's able to do it she's able to blindly drill directly into where this chip is supposed to be and is able to extract it from the center of Petey's brain. I'll, I'll go along with you, show, because you're so good regardless of that. So she does her thing. After the song is done, Mark kind of filled with a lot of emotions. Obviously, 
he's mourning the loss of this guy that he kind of barely ever knew but i'm sure it's also bringing up emotions of his ex that he lost to a car accident a year ago right bringing up those emotions that he's never actually dealt with so he gets up and runs into Selvig at the back of the the little church there and they both leave and then standing outside of their homes they go back home uh she's asking him if it was just too sad or whatever and he's like ah you know i don't know what like he, he has to play it off like he didn't he didn't really know But Mark, as he's going, about to go inside of his house, closes the door, decides not to go in, instead drives off. And Mark drives to what appears to be like a roadside memorial. I assume the place where the car accident happened where his wife died. And he climbs up this embankment and goes to a tree where he's kind of feeling the tree and he's crying and he's getting emotional. So it's like clearly this brought up a lot of emotions to him. There's a lot of emotions that are tied between Petey and, I mean, two of his favorite people in a lot of ways in two different realities of his life are now gone. Like the, his Innie is mourning, in a lot of ways, mourning Petey's disappearance. On the outside, he knew Petey a little bit and started to uncover some weird stuff. But also that that lo- that loss also probably triggering his feelings of his wife. Cut to Cobell back at work. Throws the chip in a little in a little baggie on the desk. Milchick's in her office, and he's like, "Is that Petey?" It's like, "Yep, that's Petey's chip." Tells uh, tells Milchick to go take it down to diagnostics. I don't know. Maybe they can extract some of his memories from what try maybe to figure out what he did when he was out who knows we don't know but as he leaves or he's as he's about to leave uh mrs um casey comes through the door right the wellness lady who is like kind of she's very calm very soothing but also kind of feels not all there kind of feels a bit robotic kind of feels just empty inside she doesn't really feel like a fully functioning human uh but either way casey comes in and uh, miss casey comes in and uh cobell wants her to do a wellness session with mark and mark didn't ask for it uh milchick is is you know inquiring over the whole thing uh but she's like i I think Mark needs this, right? And probably, you know, seeing Mark outside, probably, <clears throat> you know, that he went to this funeral or whatever, she probably knows that that probably brought up things. So, she, you know, she wants Mark to, I, I don't know, who like maybe it was like an ounce of compassion that Cobell brought with her for Mark into the situation. Um so she wants him to have uh, a session with Miss Casey. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Irving runs into Bert, tracks Bert down as he's hanging paintings. Uh, and they talk about another painting that was just hung. And uh, Bert invites 
Irving to join him while he goes through to rotate these paintings. So Bert or uh, Irving, no problem, tries to they smooth things over with the kind of awkwardness of them touching hands and then Irving kind of getting nervous and leaving all of a sudden. They kind of he kind of smooths that over, make sure there's nothing that everything's okay, kind of making sure they're on the same page as far as everything goes. Uh, so Bert invites him to g join, uh, and they, they're talking about Irving's napping and talking about their ideas of what their Audis do and uh, Bert kind of being jealous in some ways of Irving's ability to, to be napping and is, and is probably his Audis life in some way. And uh, they talk about the handbook, and it's very interesting, uh, you know, aspects, very interesting uh, when they talk about the, the handbook. So anyway, let's play the clip. You're crazy. I wish I could nap. I think I sleep 15 hours a night up there. It's a character flaw. Just means you're a party guy, Disco King. I can't be falling asleep, Bert. Who cares? The handbook cares. No workplace shall be repurposed for slumber. I know the handbook, old man. I'm more of a first edition guy. Original word of Kia. And I shall whisper to ye, dutiful through the ages. In your noblest thoughts and epiphany shall be my voice. You are my mouth. And through ye, I will whisper on. When I am ten centuries demised? I don't understand. He doesn't just speak to us through the handbook, the paintings. He finds other ways. Still very, like, religious sounding, feeling, but also an interesting thing that opens Irving up to expanding himself past just the words of the handbook which Irving very much by the book kind of a guy so Bert opening Irving's brain up to the fact that Kieran can speak to us in ways that aren't just the handbook and the paintings very interesting cut to Mark not in his wellness check yet uh, he's hiding in the bathroom reading the book the you you are uh, talking about in one of the passages he's reading about how your job needs you more than you need your job. Uh, so this book clearly giving is going to give Mark an alternate thought process for th that reality, for his innies reality, where He's been brainwashed into being this certain person, and now this book is, similarly to how Bert is opening Irving's mind, this book is opening Mark's mind to the possibilities of new ideas and new ways to think about work uh, as like an alternate religion to this Egan religion that is the Lumen. So then cut to... What I've noticed at the end of all of these episodes is there's a lot of, like, fast cuts, right? Where we're seeing, we're going between different characters very fast as the, the, the episode kind of ramps up to, to the credits. And 
<clears throat> and one of the things we're cutting between the, the four different employees, Mark, Dylan, Helly, and Irv, right? Mark is in his wellness check. Uh, they light a candle, that candle that Selveg got from Mark's basement, his wife's candle. Uh, that is now in this wellness room. It is lit. Uh, and he's asked by Miss Casey to sculpt his feelings uh, with this lump of clay, uh, sculpt them into something that, that he's feeling. Uh, and while he's sculpting, Cobell is watching on her computer monitor in her office. She's watching. There's a camera inside the wellness uh, room. And she's watching Mark as he's sculpting a tree. So that is one of the things that is cut between at the end of this episode we also see dylan alone in the office because mark is in his wellness check irving is out you know hanging out with bert uh helly leaves she's like okay i'm done for the day she ends up leaving so dylan is alone in the office and he goes immediately over to mark's desk and looks through his drawer and finds this book and he starts reading it dylan's starting to reading it and he's reading a poem Helly, after she leaves, we see that she has an extension cord in her hand. And she goes to the elevator. And you see that she's, like, checking the stability of the lighting inside of the elevator. You see her throwing her key card away in the trash can. She pulls in another trash can uh, into the elevator. And she's basically going to hang herself. Irving goes back to O&D, right? Because he wants to go see see uh, Bert again. So he goes back to O&D. Nobody's there. But while he's in the optics and, develop, and design department, he, st- he hears these noises on the other side of this door. He goes to the door, peeks inside, and it's this huge room, this huge department with tons of people working in this department with machines that are doing stuff. You got people pushing carts around. You got people checking things and marking them down on clipboards. Like this whole other thing that Irving just stumbled upon that is attached to the optics and design department. And just as you do that, you see Helly put the, put the extension cord around her neck and kind of flashing back to moments where she's talking to Mark and Mark's kind of, you know, kind of encouraging her. And then she kicks the trash can out from under her and hangs. And that's the end of the episode. Brutal. I mean, you want to talk about somebody that's determined to get out of this place. Helly is determined. So we'll see what happens with her. Uh, this book, The UUR, is definitely going to be an issue as far as it's going to be impactful. It seems to be like a self-help type of a book that Mark, not only is Mark starting to read it, but Dylan's starting to read it. Irving is having his mind expanded, talking to Bert and having him recontextualize the handbook and the meanings of the handbook and kind of using the the classic the original version of the handbook as as you know kind of this way to open his mind up 
So all of the characters are slowly having their minds opened up within all of their innies are starting to to expand their minds and uh, open open themselves to new thoughts. Uh, so an interesting episode. We got to hear the the nine core Lumen principles, which those again. Vision, verve, wit, cheer, humility, benevolence, nimbleness, poverty and wiles. Um, Petey's dead, so Mark never found out that Cobell and Selvig are the same person. Still doesn't know, obviously. Uh, having to keep, having to have that, you know, having to m- kind of make up a story himself to explain why, why he was even at Petey's funeral. Which that could have, depending on what he said to Selvig, that could have opened things up. But thankfully, his his story made sense. It worked. So yeah, that's uh, that's the end. We'll see what happens to the crew in the next episode, uh, episode five, which is titled "Episode Five of Severance," is titled "The Grim." barbarity of optics and design maybe we find out that there was a coup maybe optics and design is includes all of those people that are in i mean obviously that that big room is a huge mystery now the sounds that they hear on the other side of the break room like are those intentional sounds or are those just hallucinations that happen when you're there for, you know, saying this thing for hundreds to a thousand times until the machine believes you. Anyway, great episode. Like, things are starting to ramp up a bit. Things are starting to get going. But anyway, Severance Season 1, Episode 4, The You, You Are. New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. And follow the show on Instagram at Ray Taylor Show. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Ouch! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.